Hello there, welcome back to the Blue Ball Skeptics. Today's episode is a continuation of Damien and my conversation with Matt and Sharon Madison. I was wondering, uh, something I've noticed in the skeptic movement is um, a zeal to call bullshit on most everything. Like, quickly, if there's some kind of... Uh, no, that's bullshit. Something too good. <laughs> <laughs> He's kidding. I've never seen it. It's complete bullshit, what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, there's there a lot of people that do that. You mean just about anything? Pretty much anything that seems too good to be true, they're like ah, it's bullshit, and they don't, they don't have a, a good, firm grounding in, in calling it bullshit, but they are eager to do so. Maybe not a flat-out statement that that's bullshit, but I'll often hear that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you so, will hear that. That's a somewhat more cautious way of saying it. Yeah, I, I, that, that's that's fine. People out there now are just saying it's bullshit. Yeah, they are. Well, Okay, so the kind of people out there now, like, what's what's changed? I mean, is there is there anything new under the sun? We've got these these arguments and these schisms and all this this bullshit. Is I mean, is this anything new? And and how do we you know change this? Yeah. Um, it it has happened in the past, like with the Randy um, CFI. There have been uh, a few others. Um, Kurtz was not a fan of the new atheists. Mm. Initially he was, but then when he wasn't included in it, he became not a fan of the new atheists. <laughs> Is that really what you think? <laughs> Imagine that. So we, we, there's a certain amount of cynicism you may have picked up. Well, we, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we read Kurtz for years, and we read it, and, and I'm a dyslexic, and, and I know my reading comprehension skills I know what they are. And so I'm a very slow reader. I tend to be very careful reader. But Kurtz, I'd have to read him sometimes 10 or 20 times to try. And I'd finally say, I don't get it. And and you'd read there and go, well, that, <laughs> that's because there's nothing to get. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he, he figured, you know, Kurtz was working on the... If you, you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit principle. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> but, yeah, so, basically, there's nothing new. No. Um, I think what's different is, in the past, the, you know, for various and sundry reasons, the skeptical movement, if you want to call it that, was, was a lot smaller. Right. Um, I think that there were fewer people that that really identified as skeptics. It was, but from from what it looked like to to me anyway, um, it was it was really more like an academic club almost. Uh, there were there was a, a small number of people that that were active in it. It was it was fairly focused on on uh, a handful of topics, mostly around you know pseudoscience. Right. Um, not to say that there wasn't also like you know critical examination of religion and so forth as right. well, but in terms of skepticism, it was what what I think uh, uh, what the current big S skeptics might refer to as scientific skepticism. Yeah, right. mm -hmm. um, more than anything else, and uh, I think what happened 
it in the early part of this century um, with the internet and a lot more outreach um, and a wider audience that you know we've picked up a lot more people um, and at the same time I also think that we've had a number of people try to co-opt skepticism as it as it has developed as a quote-unquote movement to try to uh, to try to be big fish in a small pond or right. um, <laughs> yeah, I could see that for uh, sure. That's bound We've to happen with, with any a lot of jockeying for position. And, and, oh God, and, yes, and political machinations, really. Yes, I mean, you know, when you hear someone like Amanda Marcotte being called a great skeptic, um, Marcotte, <laughs> who said that? Yeah, who, who indeed. Um, Is that that person? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna bleep. It, I'm gonna bleep out even the initials. Good, no doubt, Sharon. I can't. Yeah. Um, you know the, and she's clearly a political operator more than anything yes. else. I mean that's that's her game. Um, we, so well, that's how she got to start. Good lord, people trying to trying to do a bait and switch on folks and and uh, and call themselves skeptics, but really are being you know, trying to support some political agenda they've got. Right, particularly when we we really there was a there's been so much insistence, and it is a bait and switch, that atheism is skepticism, and. It can yeah. be. We've I mean, got not, a whole yeah, lot of people thinking because they're an atheist, they're skeptic. And <laughs> oh no, and, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you just go into the Oakland Atheist uh, uh, Facebook page, and you'll see people talking about ghosts and mm-hmm. all manner of psychedelic stuff. You know, it's just it, you, just because you're atheist, you might have been raised so, or right. you may have just figured out that myths are myths, and and that's all. But it doesn't mean you've learned how to to think critically. Necessarily. Well, yeah, learning how to think critically is a process, and you get you get better at it over time yeah. with luck. Right. But it's it's. I mean, congratulations to those who thought their way out of the God thing because that's a huge thing around here, and it screws up people's lives. Right. But there's a lot yeah. more. There's a lot more woo woo out there. There's a lot more. There's so many ways that we we screw up. Like just we have the reason there's a list of informal logical fallacies is that human brains are. Adapted to think badly in a number of specific ways, right. you know, and and so until we learn to ident- like you were saying, Sharon, we have to learn to identify our own uh, bad thinking habits, and that's a, a form of skepticism. And you were talking about doing skepticism on yourself, um, not not on here. You were, you mentioned that I think on on Jacques' uh, blog. Right. That to me, that was always the value. I mean, I there's a lot of people that talk about how they used to believe in whatever UFOs or whatever you know and then they would read Carl Sagan's Demon Haunted Times or Demon Haunted World Deep, sorry Demon Haunted World I haven't read it. And, yeah. and and and, <laughs> and 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 they had this essentially this epiphany and you know that's when they realized that skepticism was a good thing and this was the way to go and they became skeptics I don't have that story. I grew up in la la land, really. My father used to stick hot raisins in our ears. Oh my ear, god! Ear I mean, he had his own little brand of religion, which was a mix of Calvinism, Christian Science, a bit 
Baptist. I mean, and it was this hodgepodge of weird beliefs that would change depending. Um, my father actually became a minister. He, they, they went to Bible school um, after all five of their children had been born because my father was a complete failure at actual life. Um, and he went to Bible school specifically so that people would have to listen to him for a change. And then he graduated, got a church, and people chose not to listen to him. I mean, the only people that ended up going to the church were these two elderly women that had gone to the church their whole lives and his family. The rest, everybody else left. So, because he was so off the wall. I mean, he, he just, he was just this really weird guy. And the nonsense that used to happen because you just prayed about everything and God was going to fix everything. The nonsense, really laughable, some crazy stuff going on in the house because reality didn't come in. It, it, you, I grew up with this and I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, there's got to be a better way than this. I've got to think this through. I'm not going to be taught any life skills via these people and the people they associate with all else were just as so I'm going to have to figure this out for myself I'm going to have to think it through I'm going to have to figure this out for myself and part of that is to make sure that I don't end up like them so I got so to basically think you're just through, figure out what it is that they do so wrong that results in dad ending up in three car accidents in less than an hour what? and you know because this is the kind of stuff seriously this is the kind of stuff that would go on i've got to figure out what it is that they're doing wrong and then i've got to really police myself so that i don't end up like this i mean i'm not i don't want to be them and and to do that i'm going to have to be really vigilant I'm going to have to really pay attention to my own thinking and make sure that it's not as daft as theirs is. So basically, so, you're just yeah. throwing the deep end and you had to. Right. Yeah. yeah what, you're going to invent skepticism or you're going to end up uh, in car wrecks because Jesus <laughs> yeah. take the wheel. Right. God guides you. God guides you so you don't have to pay attention to the road. I mean, this is loony stuff. And Remind me never to complain about my upbringing again. No <laughs> <laughs> shit, man. So, and I don't think that, I, I think that's part of the, the, the problem that we're seeing in the skeptic community is that people are not focusing their skepticism on, their, on themselves enough. And, mm -hmm. yeah. it's, and it's, uh, it's actually surprising how easily people compartmentalize their thinking. Yes. And apply skepticism to a very narrow range of of topics the approved topics here's, here's the stuff that we we know the right answer on yeah or these or or it, what seems to happen in some cases anyway is um anything that's opposite to what my already cherished held beliefs are <laughs> right you know so i'm a uh you know, I have, a, I have a certain, you know, a certain set of political beliefs and stuff that agrees with that. But, in, you know, anything that I see that agrees with that is okay. Anything that's opposite of that, I'm going to be skeptical of. Of course, that's, you know, 
Everybody's like that, though. You know, that's oh, yeah. easy, that's easy skepticism. It's easy to be skeptical of your used car dealer, right? Everybody is. <laughs> right. You don't have to be a skeptic to be skeptical of a of a used car salesman. That's almost in vogue. Maybe you're too skeptical. <laughs> right. Too yes, easy. Right. Yes. And, and, right. And yes, if you if you're skeptical of what I believe in, then you must be a hyper skeptic. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Where indeed? Hey, I have a an idea of, of of movements and how and how these cycles start. And I just want to know if you've witnessed this in your time in the subject world. Is that people that are older, they have all this knowledge, right? They have all this history, they understand what has happened and and they have a pretty good idea of why the skeptic movement is the way it is today. But you know, they're not the ones being active in doing all this work. It's usually the young college kids that come in and have bright eyes and, and want to save the world and want to do all this great activist stuff and, and, and get known. And then... The Justin Makulas. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stand out here with a sign and people are going to glare at me. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with that. And then, But they don't have that knowledge. They don't have that history of how things can turn bad or, or what they do... I don't know, mutate into something that they don't want. And then they get older, they have a family, they have jobs, they just have a lot of things in their life, and they can't be active anymore. But they have all this knowledge, again. And then they see these new guys, these new active college kids, and the process starts again. Is that something that you see in the skeptic world? Oh, see it all over the place. Right. I actually think it's, it's, it's not only the young people lack knowledge, they lack wisdom. <laughs> um, and there is a difference sure. and I actually I think that's the most frustrating part for us is we're seeing a lot of lack of wisdom yeah. in the skeptic community yeah. even from the not so young people yeah, I was going to say even from, <laughs> even, even from the old folks you know right one more problem is that in order to be active and to put yourself out there you kind of have to be a little bit ignorant you know Yeah, you, you just kind of have to have a uh, a feeling that nothing is going to go wrong. Right. Yeah. If you don't know what you don't know, it makes it easier. Right. Yeah. So, sort of like, why are all the people on the stage so incredibly self-confident? Well, <laughs> right. a bit of a self-selection effect going on there. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think that's why I actually suggested that we sort of run a parallel TAM at TAM um, so that us old timers, Matt, you know, Matt and I, and uh, others. Hopefully not just us. Um, a, a lot, you know, there were a lot of old timers, you know, we, you know, we, we made friends of our age. They've been going to TAM for a long time. And, you know, we suggested actually that we run a parallel TAM so that those of us who have been around a long time and have acquired some wisdom could Hopefully. could basically be the audience for younger people and these people would be giving us talks and we wouldn't critique the subject matter of the talk as much as we would critique their ability to connect with the audience the the pitfalls they might be running into by stating their case too confidently. That's interesting. Um, and you know, 
you know, basically how to be a good public speaker, how to draw people in and make them accepting and appreciative of your message while still getting across, you know, what was important in the topic you picked. And basically to provide constructive feedback to young people that are looking to come in to the community and do something positive for, you know, promoting skepticism. But, you know. And what is the goal? Do you think this is like how they can, because they've already made it in the skeptic world, right? Skeptics are willing to come out and listen to them. Are, are you thinking that this is a way to reach greater a greater audience to be, you know, if they're being more persuasive or being more charismatic? Certainly, yes, actually, charismatic is good as long as it doesn't end up coming down to a tissue of lies. Yeah, right. being, yeah. I mean, and you and you can see the difference when you when you go to TAM, we, we go to TAM, we're, we're listeners, we're not speakers. And you yeah. can really see a huge difference in how the audience reacts to someone like Richard Wiseman versus well, actually, quite frankly, one of the worst reactions was P.C. Myers when he gave a talk at Tam. It was, you fell asleep. Yeah, it was deadly boring. It, it really was. Yeah. And, and his delivery was... Worse than mine. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and and I can't imagine taking a class from him, actually. I'm, so... <laughs> um, Wait, what, year, what year was that? So, yeah, to, and these these skills don't come naturally. Um, and, you know, to, to help, you know, young people to develop these skills, to give them constructive feedback, you know, and, and try and bring them along, you know, coach them and, and, you know, then start, you know, okay, let's have you do a, a paper presentation next year before a bigger audience, um, and basically, you know, take these young people on and mentor them a bit instead of just sort of throwing them into the deep end of the pool, not knowing what you've even got there. And then, it'd be nice if somebody, right. It'd be nice if somebody was doing that. Right. Which is why we that's... actually love what Caleb Black is doing with his um, course on educating the public about pseudoscience. You know, he gets his students to write papers and they have to man a booth. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it is pretty cool. I suggested that you use those students as interviewees <laughs> for Blue Ball Skeptics on your latest blog post. So this well, I, I will see. I will see if I can exploit Caleb's students when I get the chance. Yeah, he's done a, such a good job of exploiting. Why, why not us? Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> well, I know that some of them would would volunteer. So yeah. And then we've got some of his, his students who are no longer his students who are yeah exactly. who are more like uh, black belt skeptics now yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, they're pretty good yeah good. so we yeah. we could get we can get some of them on I mean they're you know a little they're more grad school age I think when David was asking earlier like how what how when did you see P Z Myers give this speech because lately like his talks at uh, Skepticon they're they're pretty lively they're pretty interesting right. well what this the talk we saw him give was at Tam. Let's see, the one that was in the flamenco. It, he gave a talk about bat wings versus bat wings and bird wings. Yeah, it was a biology it? talk. It was a biology talk. He does that a lot. That's Which is fine, you yeah. know, except uh, it it was, he's 
speaks in a monotone and he doesn't he wasn't even really looking up at the audience much and it was he was he wasn't enthusiastic about the topic hmm well, I think at this point we can safely ignore PZ because he has divorced the skeptic movement. Yeah, absolutely. It, no, it's going to be one of those acrimonious divorces like happen when the person that, you know, never remarries. And so for the rest of their <laughs> life, they just sit there and bitch about their ex. I've <laughs> noticed that. He does that. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, some some divorcees can move because on. Because yeah. that happens to also have been Matt's mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom was like that when my dad, when my folks got, my folks got divorced when I was really young, and my mom yeah. never really uh, got over it. No, she never remarried, and she just dad was a very bad person. Skepticism <laughs> is going to be a very, very, very bad, bad, bad person. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. is. It is. Every and, and skepticism will be talked about at Thanksgiving dinner. And... <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's great. I'm You're not, right. We don't. We don't get to talk about PZ too and much. Every <laughs> single time skepticism starts dating somebody new, <laughs> you know, we're gonna have to pick apart so the, the you know new significant other. Oh, how could he have dumped me to to have that? you know kind of thing and you know yes i'm gonna think of that every single time he talks about michael Shermer. he's like oh <laughs> new flame has gone back to their first love yeah not, not that not that i want to pick on pc but um to, to, it's to okay divor- to divorce skepticism <laughs> didn't you have to be part you know part of it never never really considered pc to be part of the skeptic camp that's one of those things where he's older, but he didn't—he doesn't seem concerned with the history of skepticism at all. No, no. Maybe no. it's just him being around college students too much. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, he's got his thing, and he—and he, you know, he's got his—he's you know, got his followers, and and whatever it takes to 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 further whatever his agenda is uh, he'll do right actually we 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 actually met pc at a cfi conference after in 2010 right and we had seen him give this talk at tam and we'd heard about frangel and stuff we never paid any real attention to it but something piqued your curiosity and you went and actually took a look at frangel and you started to read the comments and you went Yikes. So we <laughs> yeah. approached PZ um, at a reception at the at the and CFI conference, and Matt did say, you know, they're commenters. Ugh. You know, <laughs> and PZ wasn't pleasant and basically told Matt that it was confirmation bias, and you were like, fine, I'm not going to discuss this couldn't possibly have been confirmation bias because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. You never, you know, you hadn't been paying attention to it. No. You hadn't heard any talk about it. You just gone over to take a look and were really taken aback by what you saw. I'm not going to say that his commentariat is the most toxic group of people that I've ever met or interacted with, but they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I guess I really don't want to take lessons from PC about listening to women when he has 
um, cultivated this commenting culture about, you know, you should go die in a fire, you should stuff a porcupine up your butt, and do things nasty with rusty knives, and all this, which is exactly the kind of nasty commenting that women are complaining about mm-hmm. in the community. You know, I, people tell me I should, you know, get raped. You know, this is the kind of nastiness that should not be happening because apparently women, I'm told women don't like it. But it's not sexist because everyone has an asshole to shove a porcupine. <laughs> right. Exactly. So and, and it works for men and women. If, if he looks at his own demographics for his site, the vast majority of the, of the people reading are young men. Mm. He does not attract women to that site. And if he is that concerned about bringing women into the community, he should take a closer look at why what he is doing and has been doing has been far more attractive to men than women. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he just needs to look in the mirror. All right, so let, let's just forget. Let, let's just move on from this angry divorcee for for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> uh, what what is the the future of the skeptic movement? We've talked about the big organizations and where they where they are now, and we've talked about some of the problems that you guys see with with organized skepticism. What what are the pitfalls we need to avoid to move forward at this point? Because I mean, certainly we don't have all the answers. Well, but I, you will be given I, all the questions. I, I think <laughs> I, I think the things one of the things that bothers us is the. I mean, I don't know how many of us are in it for the long term. Um, you know, when when we talk about the future of the of skepticism, I personally I don't. What what I've seen with the with the big organizations is a is too much of a willingness to just get more people, you know, more bums on seats at mm. their conferences or more subscribers or more followers or, you know, and yeah, we want to have, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I, I'd be happy to, to have more people who are actually interested in, in skepticism and learning about it to, to join up. That'd be great. I, that's fine. But um, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want that aspect of it to be to um, to happen at the expense of remaining true to the basic principles that we're supposed to be advocating as mm-hmm. skeptics. So um, so it wouldn't bother me really to actually see the skeptic movement. If you, again, I, and I and if you don't see the scare quotes around it, you can just know that they're there. Um, get, <laughs> movement get, get smaller I, I'm less concerned about having lots of people be part of the club than I am about actually um, educating people about uh, about topics or or even and just spreading critical thinking in whatever way is possible and right. I'm not even sure you can actually teach people to think critically um, right um, I think there may be maybe some techniques that you can you can teach them to to let them help themselves learn how to think critically but i I'm not convinced that it's that even education is the is the is the full answer um, so I'd be happy to see less sensational headline grabbing blog posts and news stories um, and, um, as long as that's you know less hero worship and less hero worship, yes. Mm. Um, and well, yeah, and just a bit more uh, 
uh, just a bit more ordinary outreach to ordinary folks, not worry too much about about having to make a, a, a either a, a name for ourselves or be be all that even be all that visible. I, I, if I was also seeing if I was also seeing a de a general decline in uh, interest in alternative medicine or or UFOs, uh, even though there wasn't any, you know, nobody was out there making the headlines about those topics. Um, I think that would be perfectly acceptable as a as a as an end goal. I know I, w I think it was what Ray Hyman a couple of years ago at TAM what, yes. when when they were doing a panel. doing a panel about uh, about where skepticism was headed. He and and some of the some of the speakers got up and talked about how successful we've been. It, he he was critical of that and said, "Well, how do you measure success?" Right. And I think that's a great question. I measure it in, in terms of units of homeopathic medicine that are sold in the U.S. <laughs> I've been measuring success by how many people are sitting on a seat. Yeah. At a conference, and that is well, a very bad way to measure success. And because we chose that metric, we sort of created this cult of personality. Mm. Um, if if this person can draw a crowd, let's put him on stage, him or her. Um, it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that as a as a way to to get people right. in the door, right? You right. know, you get. Uh, uh, Adam Savage to, to come and speak, and that attracts a bunch of people who are big Mythbusters fans. Right. Um, you know, as long as they stay for the skepticism after. Right. I, I don't have a problem, but right. it's but the but the hero worship that, that exactly and uh, uh, and the the tribalism uh, between right. fans of person X and fans of person Y, or fans of of topic X and fans of topic Y. The, um, the go a little far. The difference, oh, though, yeah. was the one that they had Adam, Adam Savage at TAM, and they had Jamie, they had the whole crew, well, a lot of them. Um, we actually, there was a swell in the attendance, a serious swell in the attendance from what it had been, but you could tell um, a lot of the people that were in attendance hadn't been associated with and didn't consider them, didn't identify as skeptics. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was great, that because oh, yeah. that the point, right, is to reach out to the general public who haven't embraced, uh, you know, skeptic methodology, and you know, to show them the the advantages and delights of this. Um, but we don't do that. We, we, since then, we've we've really seem to have focused on getting people there that skeptics have been applauding and only skeptics have been applauding and as a result of which we've narrowed the appeal I think to people who only identify at this point as skeptics and mm. I don't think that we're getting the kind of broader appeal that we were looking for and that we need yeah, well, I mean, there's there's always been accusations of preaching to the choir when it comes to right. Pam and other and other conferences like that. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because a lot of people were saying that there was no drama at Tan this year, and I was like, well, that sounds okay, but shouldn't there be a little bit of drama at a skeptic <laughs> where people are, you know, 
have different ideas of, or, of like what this conversation is, different ideas of where skepticism should be, or just different ideas on certain topics in skepticism. So I thought, well, I'm sure that they meant drama, like um, somebody being like upset that someone wore a t-shirt or something like that. Well, that's because like, everybody I know that showed up meant. was was way into the whole pro rapist agenda or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, none of the four of us were there this year. None of the four of us were there this year, so we can honestly say we are not on board with the pro rapist agenda. No, no, yeah. no, 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 definitely not. In fact, that's exactly why I sat out because yeah. I am I am as it happens against rape. So I'm willing to say it. I'm going really, on the record. That's really brave of you, Damien. Thank you. You're a very courageous stand you're yeah, taking I, there. I, I don't think it's a good idea. I've never done it. I don't intend to. Good for you. Neither have I. Yeah. Me either. All my consents are enthusiastic. <laughs> and you ask every five seconds. Make sure. I, I, Still enthusiastic. I, 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 chicks chicks no, love no, that. He, he, get, he gets that tweet of consent every five seconds. That, what was that thing? I'm going to go Ask register that account now. Tweet of consent. Oh, God. There was, there was a time that there, at one point they actually got Tam up in live streaming. Right. Um, that was... For a couple of years they did that. Yeah, 2009 and 10, I think, maybe. At least 2009, maybe. Right. I think it was before DJ took over. Um, and I thought that was great. Let's live stream Tam. Maybe somebody will run into it um, and say, wow, what's this? This is cool. You know, maybe I'd like to go to this. I thought the live streaming was a handy way of, as a, you know, if you're wandering around with your Tam badge on or whatever and you meet somebody in the restaurant or the elevator and then what's Tam? Um, oh, well, it's, you know, at the skeptic conference, we talk about these things and, oh, and you could hand them the, uh, website address for the live streaming. So if they happen to be sitting around in their room, uh, with, you know, nothing much to do one evening or something, they could be watching this during the day or in the evening and maybe think it was, you know, worthwhile and take some interest in it. I would be happier if we were more open to allowing people to wander in to the conference throughout the day that may have not have heard of it, happen to be in the hotel or in Las Vegas and say, boy, I'd like to check this out and see what it's about. Um, but it's so expensive. I mean, right, exactly. all those so, people who bought those tickets, they'd feel, you know, Well, right, I, see, but that, to my mind, that's wrong. If you are, if you truly say that you truly care about promoting skepticism, and that's supposed to be what the plan is here, you would not be upset. If you had somebody wander in that said, wow, you know, I, you know, met some nice person in an elevator and they said, you know, I might enjoy this and I'd like to sit here and check it out for a bit. We should be happy about that. We should be willing to um, finance that. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I, think I think they should have at least one or two. Se well, I mean, if, if if I were pitching this to DJ, I'd say, you know, why don't we have one session or two sessions every year where we say, you know, here's this this great speaker who's speaking skepticism at like a, hey, you just got here kind of level. Let me tell you what we do. And have that be a free open session where the um, Marcus isn't checking everyone's badge at the door. 
Right. Huh. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I mean, at least, well, you start somewhere. You can't make the yeah. whole thing free. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, Tam is of course what we naturally think of, right. just because that's the that's the big conference. Yeah, so I mean, it's the premier conference. But Chaz and I go to Skepticon every year, and now they uh, they still do a little skepticism sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, every we, now and then. We did a graph. Damien yeah, put, yeah, a, put a graph that. together. I remember the graph. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming less prevalent there, but uh, we, you know, we still go. I mean, we did, um, shake some hands of people. Watch, yeah. I mean, we did watch one or two Skepticon talks on, you know, um, after the fact on YouTube that were actually were about skepticism. They were actually pretty good. Right. They didn't, oh, Joe, didn't get much press. No. You know. Joe, Joe Nickel did a great one in uh, 2011, I think. Yeah. Uh, DJ did a great one that year. That was back when everyone was still friends. They're all <laughs> their arms around each other's shoulders. And... Yeah, back when everyone was still cool with everybody else. We we fondly remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> well, well we were... my my idea for Tam just before we close up the show um, is that we have at least one session each year about the history of the skeptic movement. Ah, uh, one should yeah. have a history of the skeptic movement. It's rich with a, with a cladogram showing all the exactly with cladogram. <laughs> you get uh, Daniel Longston to to do. About oh yeah, totally. Because I mean, he wrote the. Really, I got uh, I got to find that. It's uh, I think it's online at the I think it's on the I think it's on the Skeptic Society website. Cool. His PDF where where he did a did some digging into the history. And, How know, far he back goes, did he, he go? goes back? He go, you know he goes back to you know several centuries ago and or at least a couple of centuries ago and and talks about a, a bit more historical perspective in that regard. Daniel Loxton is one of the few people that I can, without reservation, say, this is what I want from the skeptic movement. Between that junior skeptic thing that he... He's been doing. He's been doing in Skeptic Magazine. Yeah, forever. Um, His, um, he did that... uh, Children's books. Children's books. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, He, he's... And he won awards for those children's books. He stayed focused. He's um, done a lot to try and educate people about what skepticism actually is, particularly when others step up and say, no, 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 skepticism is this other thing. No, this is this. And he keeps at it despite, yes. He's he's a good guy. He is, yeah, he is a good guy. I might quibble, quibble with his tendency to want to to focus i mean to say this is you put boundaries around right. skepticism to be just a, right. that limited set of things that he's involved with i which i you know i understand his perspective on that and i and i can certainly see where he's coming from but well because he can see what happens when we when we wander it, away from it yeah um but at the same time I, no denying that he's been doing a lot of good work yes for years for a long time and i can remember that he wrote up that document about what you can do to help promote skepticism. Right. And he suggested that people could donate money, and he got... (laughs) (laughs) I read that, and I stopped reading. Why? Why would you stop reading when someone suggests that you give money to people doing the work to promote skepticism? If you don't understand that these things take money... And it's important that we be willing to promote, you know, to support this stuff financially and promote the people 
doing good work by handing them our financial support, you're not really interested in promoting skepticism. And we've seen a lot of that. We've seen it when JREF has occasionally asked for money in the past. Uh, we had to go over James Randi's, you know, income and why they don't need to donate to the JREF because after all, he must be getting Social Security and so why does oh my he God. need money? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, seriously, on the, you, on the forum, it, and you see the amount of, you know, I don't know how long Sharon Hills had that um, Patreon thing going. The last time I looked, $92 a month. I mean, what, you're not willing to give enough money that somebody could actually think that they're, what they're doing is of value. And maybe if we can do enough of this, we can have people like Sharon Hill doing this full time. Um, that would be a great thing, but you know, I, I agree. Shout out to Sharon Hill. Everyone go, uh, don't, don't give money to my podcast cause we don't need money, but, <laughs> but seriously do go support, uh, the, the great work that Sharon Hill is doing uh, at doubtful news, doubtful news.com. Right. Is that if right? You, if, and if you don't want to set up a monthly type donation, uh, you can buy books that she'd like to add to her library to continue her research on the topics that she covers. And yeah. we've done that too. Yeah, yeah. We periodically look at her list and send her something. Sharon does <laughs> cool. great stuff. There's, I mean, there's a number of independent uh, researchers out there doing, doing good work, but she's definitely outstanding among them. Yes. Yep. And we should be willing to support that and we've seen a lot of people that seem to think that asking for money is a horrible thing we also see a lot of people that seem to think that money is a horrible thing <laughs> yeah we do <clears throat> well that's that's, that's because part of the liberal yeah college right. a topic for a different podcast maybe. right yeah yeah another time all right well I, th I think we're gonna close this one out you guys i really appreciate you both coming on the show well thanks for having us Yes. And discussing a little bit about the the big picture and uh, skepticism here in America. Yeah. Is is there anything is there anything else that uh, anyone like that, to, that's to add? That's the other thing we should discuss is one of these days is the fact that we are so U.S. centric. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah, I am. I'm in the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah. I'm right, right here at the center really of the like Midwest. If we were a little bit more concerned about what goes on all over the world when it comes to skepticism. Not yeah. just on our own little... Well, I'm not going to help the Canucks. I'm sorry. It's just not going <laughs> to Maybe we should reach outside of our own continent then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thanks for having us. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye.